we've talked about healthcare a lot. Clearly, it's not working. There's there's no question about it. And there's a, I'm sure there's a million different reasons why, but um, it just seems to be slipping worse and worse and worse. Now, if you've ever, and I mean ever, had to go to the ER, you know that the wait, depending on what you are going in for, can be uh, very, very long. And right now, there's a good chance it'll be longer than it's ever been before. That's uh, the most recent report. So to get an update on what's happening, we're going to chat with our frontline ER doc. That's Dr. Shazma Mathani. She is an ER doctor at the Royal Alec and the Stollery Children's Hospitals in Edmonton. Uh, Dr. Mathani, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, always a pleasure to chat. Thank you. Thanks for having me this morning, Shay. So uh, I know you're there, and we, we go to you for frontline reports and to let us know just what's going on in the ERs. We're, we're seeing these reports that it's worse than it's ever been. Just how bad is it right now? Well, the wait times we're seeing right now are really quite unprecedented. I've been working in the ER for over a decade now, and I've never seen consistently high wait times like this. I know that a lot of people um, will say that, yeah, you know, five years ago I had a wait time of five hours, and of course there would have been one-offs like that, but what we're seeing now is is just this consistent pressure of wait times over five hours every single day, and that's very concerning, and, it, and it's really um, a reflection of, of what's going on in the system right now. Yeah, and, and like I said, I imagine there's a lot of different factors that contribute to this. Let's start on the patient side. Are, are there more people? I mean, is, is the demand higher? Is that part of it? Absolutely, yes. So we've seen this growing care deficit throughout the pandemic where patients have been losing family doctors, so haven't been able to have their chronic issues cared for. Uh, They've been avoiding going in to see their family doctors and avoiding coming to the emergency department, and now that has kind of all come to a head, and we're seeing rising volumes and and more sick patients coming into the emergency department. Um, and what about, you mentioned the pandemic, and then, like you say, there's there's a shortage of family doctors, and we all know how that's gone, but it, I, I keep hearing that people are showing up with conditions that they've sort of put off for the course of the pandemic. They didn't get it dealt with the way they should, and now they become much more serious. How much of a factor is that when in your ER, people showing up with conditions that maybe they didn't ignore, but didn't want to go to a hospital deal with over the pandemic? I would say that's a pretty significant factor. Okay. It's not uncommon for me to, to speak with a patient and and they tell me exactly that. You know, I was just trying to wait to see or hold off and, and wait to see if I could, um, if it would just pass or I was nervous to come in or, you know, a multitude of reasons. But but the bottom line is that they there was a delay in them presenting. On the healthcare side, on the system side itself, um, the increase in demand, are, are the ranks just depleted? Are there not as many doctors and nurses as, as necessary? Yes, staffing shortages are a big contributing factor to this as well. So we're seeing shortages throughout the hospital, um, in the emergency department, uh, up on the inpatient units. And what that means is um, with with fewer staff, it means that we can't um, manage as many patients, right, because it's just not mm-hmm. safe to do that. And so that may mean bed closures. That may mean um, patients moving much more slowly through the system. And then that ends up trickling down, of course, to the emergency department, like we've talked about before, and will increase increase the amount that every single patient is waiting. And I was reading some reports where uh, doctors were saying, you know what, even if we can get people into the ER and treat them, then we would typically moving them upstairs into some other ward or, you know, but we don't have the space up there either. So they stay with us and um, that backs things up too. Exactly. So if you think about the way that a patient flows through the acute care system, they'll come in, they'll triage in the emergency department, then they'll wait until there's a bed in the emergency department. 
they'll get their emergency care and if they have to be admitted they have to then wait for a bed upstairs and so of course if there are no beds upstairs they can't move out and then the next person can't move into the er and that just basically creates this backlog of of patient movement and then again increases the wait time um, Doc, when we talk about this situation, of course, it's not new, and the province has said they're doing a lot of things to try and address it. Um, the, in, in speaking with uh, reporters this week, AHS said there's 270 more staff in emergency departments across the province right now than there was just a year ago, and they've hired more than 2,000 registered nurses positions have been filled. So where are these staff? Is it not enough? I mean, the bottom line is it's not enough. I, I don't know where they're going. Um, I don't know the details of that, but the, there are a couple of uh, concerns with that. The main one being um, when we look at places like um, kind of high acuity places like the emergency department and the ICU, for example, um, it's important to have a certain ratio of experienced nurses, right, because this is the sickest of the sick for patients. And so putting in um, brand-new nurses and junior nurses can be um, – challenging can actually slow things down more through no fault of these junior nurses because they're putting being put into a situation that's not really fair sure, yeah yeah so that could, that also can i mean yes it's important to have as much staff as possible but there's it's not instantaneous relief because there's a level of training that needs to take place there's all this experience that needs to be gained before they're um before the staff member is competent to function in in a high acuity area and, and there's no shortcut for that 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 just takes time Exactly. Um, if you're, you know, if you're an Albertan, and I'm getting texts from people who've had all kinds of experiences trying to get their kid taken into an ER and stuff like that, what's what's the message to the Albertan? You can still rely on it. Like when we talk about these wait times being hours and hours and hours and hours, that's if you're going in with something that isn't severe, correct? I mean, if you show up in an emergency room with something that is acute and needs to be dealt with immediately, that you get bumped up, right? I mean, how does that work? Because I'm sure people are, are a little worried by this. Absolutely. So if you come in with, um, that's what kind of, that's what the point of triaging is, right? So when the triage nurse sees a patient, they will assess you, get your quick story and get a set of vital signs. And so anybody that's coming in with a life or limb threatening condition, we will always make space for you. We'll find some, some way to get you in right away, um, to treat you. If somebody comes in, of course, um, you know, in a cardiac arrest, for example, we, they come in right away. Um, the, the problem with that is, though, that um, as we see more of those very sick patients, it means that the uh, less sick, not not sick, but less sick patients are waiting longer. And, and the concern, of course, with that is, you know, somebody that might be able to be sitting there and not in immediately life-threatening condition could continue to get worse when they're in the waiting room. So that's a concern. But, of course, we're always there. Um, we, in the emergency department, I would say we're the most resourceful people in the hospital. We always try to find ways to make things work, if that means um, creating kind of unconventional spaces to see people in, going to see people on, you know, the ambulance stretchers um, in the hallways just to try to get things going. We're trying to do our best to see everybody as quickly as possible. And I, I certainly don't want to deter anybody from coming yeah. to the ER because we are there. I mean, if you need us, we're there. Um, but... If you're not as worried, if you have a pediatrician or a family doctor that you can get in to see, um, then try to do that. Uh, of course, you can always call 811 to get some advice. And if all else fails, we're always there. And bottom line is, if it's, if it's something that perhaps a pediatrician or your, or your GP could have handled and you show up at the ER, be prepared to wait. And you know what, Doc? That makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, we, it's with the way that the eMERGE works, of course, we take the sickest patients first. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's the way it works. Yeah, exactly. Uh, always appreciate the update. Thank you so much, Doctor.
You bet. Thanks, Shay. That is Dr. Shazma Mathani, who is an ER doc at the uh, Royal Alec Hospital in Edmonton and the Staldry Children's Hospital in Edmonton. So, I mean, they're, they're, that's just what she's seeing in her ER that she's working in. And, you know, she's not alone.